Look out, Holy Ghost. I like a herd over there. Look at him.
take it for me and put it back in there. Amen. You know how Wayne goes to Africa all the time? I mean, you know how he goes to Africa when he hears God say, speak, and then he goes? Before he even buys a plane ticket, the Holy Ghost has already gone before preparing hearts, tilling soil. And Wayne goes in there and starts planting those seeds. He doesn't have to till the Holy Ghost untilled. That's how it is with you today. Many people think, well, I think it's Sunday morning. I think I'll get up. I think I'll go to the spring house. But guess what? The Holy Ghost has already prepared something for you today. He's already plowed soil of your hearts. And there's seed getting ready to be planted in you. Or maybe it's going to be watered. The seed may already be there and it's going to be watered by the Holy Ghost. Get ready. Because if you sang any of these songs that we've sang on the wall, as Brother Harvey used to say, <laughs> I don't know what the world's coming to when you're singing a song off the wall. Amen. <laughs> I remember Brother Harvey once said, uh, he said I, was, I was leading people into the presence of God by worship and praise. Brother Rodney, uh, hurry up and get your show over with so I can preach the word. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Brother Harvey was one of the most important encouragers of me to teach the word of God here at the church. He used to come to me all the time. You know, Rodney, stay on the word. Stay on the word. I try to do that. But God's got something for you today. Acts 10.38 says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we're going to springboard off that scripture and go throughout the scriptures. But you need to understand that this appeared in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 literally is around chronologically 10 years after Jesus left planet Earth and the church was established. And he, um, there was, in, in the gospel, the good news was mainly preached up to that point to the Jewish people. They received, they were chosen, they were covenant people, they were the circumcised. God had something going for them. But there was a shift, not a change in plan, because there was always a plan for God to move on behalf of Gentiles also. But at this point, there's a shift in the presentation of the gospel to include the Gentiles also. Now, in the, Ephesian, in the um, Ruminator Sunday School class, we're, talking, we're studying through the book of Ephesians, which really speaks to that as a mystery, but the mystery has been revealed. It's kind of like a, a murder she wrote or uh, Columbo, where you see who does what happens, and then you see how it unfolds. Well, the myth, this is the mystery, that here's some Jews over here, here's some Gentiles over there, and they're all being brought into one body, one man, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And we're finding out who you are in him, in him, and who he is in you. And uh, so that's a little uh, commercial for the Ruminator Sunday School class. It starts at 9 o'clock, those who don't know. Uh, Acts 10.38, um, you know of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, they knew of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus was a local boy who just happened 
to start doing this Messiah thing in their eyes. We know it wasn't just happenstance. We know the Holy Ghost had him prepared even before he left glory and came down to earth and became as us. But uh, so it says, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. The name Jesus, of course, is God is salvation, taken from the word Joshua, which is salvation. And you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God did something. Let me say this. God did something in Jesus. He's doing the same thing in you. The name of this message is uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and you. And uh, so you know how Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him. And the word anointed uh, means, uh, it's, uh, means a caress, a pouring out, a rubbing into, a smearing upon of something. You could take a baseball glove that's stiff and dried out and take some uh, saddle soap or whatever else you put on a baseball glove, you know how sportsman like I am, and rub that thing, anoint that thing with uh, whatever it is, saddle soap, and then it becomes yieldable and pliable. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. You know, when, when we are faced with the anointing, some of us are stiff-necked. We got to have a little rub down, and that's what the Holy Ghost will do for you in the Spirit. So he, he anointed Jesus with two things. He anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, and he anointed Jesus with power. One, the Holy Spirit, is a person, a person of the Trinity. Not some cosmic force, some entity that's real like this. Holy Ghost. He's the Holy Ghost. And he desires relationship with you, fellowship with you. He's more than just the end of the doxology. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. He's a person. He's a person. And so he was, Jesus was anointed with this Holy Spirit, and then he was anointed with this thing called power, which is dunamis, which is dynamic ability. The ability to accomplish what the Father wanted, Jesus had via the Holy Spirit, who is the helper, the one called alongside to help you accomplish what the Father wants to accomplish. And not only is he helping you, you have a dynamic ability to do that. The power source. Now, it's hard to separate the two, I understand. Holy Ghost and power. Matter of fact, have you ever heard Petra's song, Holy Ghost Power? Holy Ghost Power, I'm going to fill you today. Holy Ghost Power. I was listening to Petra before I came. And Wes King, who had a great song, Holy Ghost. Man, Holy Ghost Power. So Jesus was anointed with this Holy Ghost and with the power, and he also had authority, exousia. He had delegated authority, he had dynamic ability, and he had the Holy Ghost to help him do it. 
we got the same access. We have authority that's been presented to us. He's given us the dynamic ability. And guess what? Holy Ghost come to be a helper. You know who you are, right? You're the doer of the word. You do it. But if you do it on your own, you're going to fail. You got to have a helper. And the helper's called the one called alongside to help, the paracletos, the one called alongside to help. You need somebody, not just anybody. Help, you know you need someone. Help! That was almost BG quality. Now, Holy Ghost and power. He did something with this. He didn't just get the Holy Ghost and power and sit around in a pew somewhere and say, I got the Holy Ghost and power. I'm somebody. I'm better than you. Sometimes the charismaniacs and Pentecostals have that concept. I'm speaking in tongues and you're not. No, Jesus did something with his Holy Ghost and power. He went about. He went about doing something. He went about doing good, number one. And he went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We know at least he was in the, with him in the form of the Holy Ghost. If not just God, because he's omnipresent. You know, if you're speaking of God with us, you know, when, when the birth was being announced and, uh, and the angel said, you know, you're going to call him Jesus. I want you to call him Jesus. Of course, Jesus, God is salvation, derivative of Joshua. About four guys in the New Testament named Jesus. And then he gave him a second name, <clears throat> Emmanuel. And what does that mean? That God with us. God is salvation. God is with us. That's how he did his stuff. Anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God's with him. Another aspect of that wonderful scripture is this thing called... Um, this thing called um, well, this thing called anointing. Let's talk about anointing a little bit. Uh, you know, Jesus didn't just meet the Holy Spirit at the anointing process. Jesus had an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit all the way to the point of creation. You know, while he was doing his ministry, he told the disciples, listen, I'm fixing to go away. I'm going to send another one down, John 14, one of the same kind, aloes, one of the same kind. I'm going to send you another comforter, and that comforter was the Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask the Father to send him down. That was going to be a promise that was coming down. And Jesus was comforter number one. I thought the Holy Ghost was the comforter. Yes, he is. But there's another comforter, one of the same kind. Holy Ghost comforter number two. Of course, God is the Father of all comfort. So you have that trifecta, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost comforting people. That's good news, isn't it? Amen. Anybody in here need comforting in this crazy, mixed-up world we live in? I do. You know, in the Ruminator Sunday School class, we call this the land of nitty-gritty, where you got to walk by faith and not by sight, and where you get knocked around, pushed down, shoved around. You need some help. 
you know, so, so Jesus said, I'm anointed. You know, Jesus came for purpose. The purpose, uh, we sang about the purpose, was freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Don't let your freedom turn into an opportunity for the flesh. Don't get bound again by a yoke of slavery. Walk by the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. That's one of the purposes that he came for, for sure. We know that one of the purposes he came for, according to 1 John 3, 8, was that he might destroy the works of the devil. Little d. Never give the devil a capital D. I don't care what your spell check does. Override the spell check. Take the D out, you got evil. Turn devil around, you got lived with a D. So he came to destroy the works of the devil. The ultimate work that he came to destroy, of course, is when Adam and Eve were in the garden. Here they are, and things are great. They had authority, they had blessing, they had uh, intimacy, they had fellowship with the Father, they had dominion, they had... Uh, you know, they had it made, made in the shade. Only thing is, they went under the wrong shade tree in disobedience and disobeyed God. And what happened was the separation. That was a devil work right there. The devil tempted them. They bit. They had a choice. They could have said no. They could have had the authority over the, the creepy crawly things and said get out. But they chose to the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. The ultimate devil work that Jesus destroyed was the breaking of intimacy and fellowship, and he brought it back and restored it on the cross. He brought it back to where you could go into the presence of God again and not have a man have to do it. You don't have to call me up at 3 in the morning and ask me to pray for you. Well, let me rephrase that. Don't call me up at 3 o'clock in the morning and ask me to pray for you. Unless you just have to. Unless you just have to. But you have access to the presence of the Father. You know, you don't really need me to explain the Scripture to you, although that's part of what I do, and that's, that's a gift of God to you. But the Lord will teach you as you open the Word and read it. You know, Paul went and preached to the Bereans. Said, I guess it was Paul. Was it Paul? Said, and then he said, study for yourself and see if these things are so. Don't take my word for it, because you've got a teacher in you. You've got the Holy Ghost in you. He'll teach you, lead you in all truth. And so, uh, so he destroyed the works of the devil. Another part of the works of the devil that he destroyed was uh, sickness, disease, poverty, hemorrhoids. <laughs> That's right. Hemorrhoids are found as a curse in Deuteronomy. They call them hemorrhoids, but they're hemorrhoids. Does anybody here believe that hemorrhoids is a blessing? I, can God bless you if you have hemorrhoids? Yeah. But it's a curse. Everything, and every other sickness that's not named is a curse. And Jesus hung on the cross to become a curse in your place. You deserve to hang on the cross because you're cursed outside of Jesus. But he came to be the propitiation. Everybody say propitiation. Say it like you're down in New Orleans. Propitiation. That's a long word. It simply means satisfactory substitute. He was the one that satisfied God. It, bulls couldn't do it. 
Goats couldn't do it. Turtle doves couldn't do it. You quit smoking couldn't do it. You tithing couldn't do it. Boom! Jesus hung on the cross, became a curse. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. He put it together. That's what he did. You need to quit trying so hard and start trusting a little more. We try to work our way into heaven or work our way into his graces, and all he's saying is, trust me, and I'll help you do that. I've sent the Holy Ghost here to help you do that. You can't do it on your own. I have tried and failed and failed and failed and failed and failed and disappointed people and good God. I said good God because he's a good God as T.L. Osborne used to say. So he came to destroy the works of the devil. If you look and, and when, I, when I see these types of scriptures and I'm thinking of anointing and anointing with the Holy Ghost and anointing with power, dynamic ability, I start reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John a little bit differently. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You almost want to sing that, don't you? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Somebody went to Sunday school. Those four views of the gospel, of the, of the Jesus story, Theologians say is if you condense it down, it's about 30 days out of a 30-day, three-year period. And, of course, that makes sense when you think that John wrote, if the books, you know, all the books in the world can't contain anything that Jesus said and did, everything that he said and did. Books of the world couldn't contain it. So you got four books here distilled down into 30 days. Within that 30 days of distilled stuff happening, Jesus healed, delivered, spoke into people's lives 41 times. I made a workbook, and we spent about a year or so in the Ruminator class studying the acts of Jesus versus the acts of the apostles. And it was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 41 times. And every time that somebody was touched, healed, delivered, oppression removed, poverty broken... That was the will of God being manifested on planet earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And every time he did that, it destroyed another work of the devil. That's why he came. You can't put Jesus in a box, though. I've tried many times. He hops out every time. <laughs> you know, I'm a teacher. I think if you came in, you were gave a handout with stuff on it. One, two, three, four, five scriptures, you know, and, 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 and then books you could read about. But every time you try to put him in a box, he'll do something different. You can't formulate the Lord. What you have to have is the Holy Ghost in you, which is if you're a believer. You have to be fine-tuned, no sin in your life, and you have to have that where the frequency is connecting, where you can hear him and see him and do what he says. And when some, you pray for somebody, you do, you do what he says to do. 
I don't pray for everybody the same way when y'all come down here. And Jesus didn't pray for everybody the same way as he was going about destroying the works of the devil in those 41 incidences. He used about 10 methods from speaking to just recognizing their faith to a touch here, a spit in the eye here, a little mud daub here. How would you like if you came down and prayed? You said, I can't see her. I mean, my vision's going. I'll say, well, okay, let me spit in your eye. Here's a little mud in your eye. Of course, Jesus did that, and, and uh, the uh, guy said, oh, man, I, I can see you a little better. I can see men as trees walking. Jesus touched him a second time. That's why you just never give up. You know, I have no problem. You come down 20 times praying for the same thing. Each time I'll get a little more word for you and release you a little bit here and a little bit there. But God, he came to destroy the works of the devil. You know, he told, he told him when he uh, uh, was setting out to do uh, his ministry that he was going to, uh, he was anointed. He unfurled the scrolls of Isaiah 61 and said, I'm anointed, I'm here to preach the gospel to the poor, I'm here to pro uh, proclaim, he's a preacher and a proclaimer, proclaim release to the captives, proclaim recovery to the sight of the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He hasn't changed, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's still doing it. You better be excited about it. He's still doing it because you have the same needs that they had back there. Come on. Yeah. Now, here's my, let me do a quick side note because I got to get this out of my mind. The proclaimers, anybody remember the proclaimers? I could walk 500 miles. Okay. Thank you. Get that off my head. Jesus anointed with the Holy Ghost in power. Went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. It wasn't the first time that Jesus met the Holy Ghost. He's part of the Trinity. He knew the Holy Ghost before he came to planet Earth. He was definitely, in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, how did he do it? Well, the Holy Spirit was hovering, sweeping, some say brooding over a chaotic mass of darkness without void and, and uh, uh, darkness without void and uh, something else. He's hovering, he's sweeping. God is speaking. It was dark, so he said, for the need of the moment. Isn't that how God does it, for the need of the moment? How come God doesn't speak to you for finances? when you might need a healing. He, he goes for the need of the moment. Anyway, it was, it was darkness. He said, let there be light. What did God speak? Words. Words. Again, as a speech pathologist, I get all kinds of excited when I start talking about speaking in words. The way that you speak is you have a thought. Everybody touch your head like this. If you got one of these noggins up here, you're thinking... Some of y'all are really thinking about stuff I'm talking about now, and you'd like to say something, but you can't because I got the mic. <laughs> but all words are, are your thoughts translated to your mouth. Now watch this. I'm, I'm speaking my words 
You can't hear my words. Do you know why you can't hear my words? I ain't breathing. Words are merely breath-driven thoughts. Words are only breath-driven thoughts. Breath, rushing wind in the Old Testament, New Testament, rushing wind, ruach. Or if you really want to get Hebrew on you, ruach. <laughs> or pneuma. Brew, rushing winds, blowing winds, breath. And so you, God has a thought, and his thought was his will. It's his wish and his desire. He had a breath. He spoke words that came out of his mouth. Spirit-driven words can change your life. Spirit-driven words can change your circumstance or situation. We know that Jesus was the Word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You could really put Jesus' name there when it says, in the beginning was Jesus, Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Antichrist denies that, that he came, became flesh. So God in the flesh. We see in Hebrews 1, I like this, Genesis 1, John 1, Hebrews 1, all have this implication of the Word and Jesus. It says the worlds were made by Jesus. John 1, the worlds were upheld by Jesus. So we have this Word, Spirit, God intimacy in relationship. Jesus was at the uh, Holy Spirit, was at Jesus' birth. Uh, Mary was found to be child by the Holy Spirit, conceived of the Holy Spirit. Mary questioned it. Angel told her, the Holy Spirit's coming on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. John the Baptist said, there's the Lamb of God. I've been baptizing you in water. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. So we see these constant connections of the Holy Ghost. The dove comes down, very symbolic, especially in Luke. It's the Holy Ghost came down on Jesus and resided on him. Where before, in the Old Testament, there was a prophets, priests, kings, mules, uh, whatever, you know, uh, utensils had an anointing on them, set apart for a purpose. And... Uh, but this dove came down and remained on Jesus. And then this dove led Jesus. And I like the way Luke 4 gives the story, a different perspective. It says in Luke 4 that 4.1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. I like that. Where did he get this Holy Spirit? Obviously when the dove came down and remained on him. Whatever, somehow he was full of it, the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit returned, he returned from Jordan and was led around by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit in the face of temptation. A lot of times we go into points of temptation, we think all is lost. But the Spirit in God is going to lead you through that wilderness experience. And he's going to help you 
in that wilderness experience because you're going to walk in the authority, you're going to walk in the uh, Holy Spirit-led power, and then you're going to uh, come out the other side, verse 14, after the devil left until a more opportune time, verse 14, and Jesus returned to Galilee. How? In the power of the Spirit. He went in full of the Spirit, and he left in the power of the Spirit. You don't have to be emaciated in the temptation. Oh, trust me, I've been in temptation, and I've been beat from pillar to post. But I don't think I had to be, because it's at those points of weakness that we need the helper to help us get through the hard times. That's what he does. Let me read something quickly before I run out of time. I read this in the first service. Uh, you know, we talked about the Old Testament and the and the and, um, and uh, the um, how you know priests, prophets, kings, temporary. You know, sin could you know, negate it, and you know the usefulness is, uh, was over. The Holy Spirit leaves. But in Exodus thirty-one. And I like this because it really speaks of Springhouse Worship and Art Center. <clears throat> I'm not very artsy, but I, I like the people here a lot, and, uh, and I believe in what's going on here, for sure. I, I, I tell people where I go to church, they say, do you ever do the plays? No, no, you don't want me up there doing anything like that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I go to the plays, and I like it. But this is, how many know that this place is recapturing the arts. I mean, that's a, one of the mandates that we have that Ronnie's had a vision for. And taking away what the devil has stolen and what Hollywood has taken away and what uh, you know, various artists, for what they say is art, I, you know, personally, I, I can't see it. But, but we are called to recapture things. And you know how you're going to recapture? You know how this place recaptures the arts? By the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that saves you, the same Holy Spirit that delivers you, the same Holy Spirit that will help you stay free is the same Holy Spirit that's going to speak deep into people to create something. Because God's a creator. We're created beings. We're, we're in his own image. I guess we might as well create something, right? We're going to create it. And this is the, uh, the first man filled with the Spirit in the Old Testament. Now, 31, 1, now in Exodus. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I've called my name by name uh, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship, to make artistic designs for working gold and silver and bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. If that ain't Springhouse, I don't know what is. Because we have a purpose. They were building tabernacles and temples and all that kind of stuff. We're building a kingdom with him. Amen? Oh, me? Throw a dog a bone. <laughs> We see later there's a well in us where we'll never thirst again. Eternal life springs eternal. We have a river that flows out of the innermost being of our being, rivers of living water, which he defined in John 7 as the Holy Spirit. And the problem is, 
in my life and many believers' lives sometimes, the flow just won't go. The blockage is there. There has to be some kind of release. Sometimes you're just overwhelmed by the world, anxiety. You know, the Word of God is a powerful thing, correct? The seed of the Word of God is powerful, but in Mark 4 you see it can be choked out, it can be burned up, it can be dried up, it can be stolen out of your life. As powerful as the Word of God is, well, as powerful as the Holy Spirit is, the flow can be dammed up because of various things. Now listen, I, I go to Revolution Chiropractics, you know, and then we, we're learning more and more about the, the, the brain being the control center, the spinal cord, and the nerves going to every part of our body. And if there's an impingement or a blockage of something, you can't get the signal to, for the body to do what it needs to do. So you have what's called subluxation. No, I'm not speaking in tongues. Misalignment of the spine. You get aligned back into order. You get the the impingements off of it, and there's life flow again. Isn't that good news? The same thing with the Holy Spirit and Word in our life. There can be subluxation in your life. There can be a misalignment because sometimes just rough and tumble cares of the world. My son had a misalignment. He played rugby, football, and had, uh, got hit by an 18-wheeler. You don't think his spine was out of whack? Need some alignment. Get it back in order. What can misalign our spiritual spine, sin, walking in the flesh and not in the spirit, rebellion, transgression, iniquity. <coughs> you need to be released so the spirit can be released. That's a powerful thing. Put stuff in your bloodstream, smoke a cigarette, chew tobacco, drink alcohol, uh, eat wrong kinds of... Come on! You live like hell and expect heaven results. Well, today, I told you when we started, God has started something. There's purpose for people that came here today that you th didn't even know you were here for. He's already plowed the ground, prepared your heart. A lot of stuff I'm saying is not new. God wants to release you today. But it's a choice. You don't have to be released. You can do anything you want, because that's the kind of God we serve. But he does want to release you. Some of you need to release somebody from forgiveness, for bitterness and resentment for something they did to you. You put fences in your life, and you need to tear those walls down. Randy Matthews says, it took a carpenter to tear down my walls. It took a stronger hand than mine. And when he looked at me, he made me see I was blind. I put my feet on the ground, my eyes to the sky, and then I realized it took a carpenter to tear down my walls. Some of you need some walls down. Some of you are walking in sin. You know, there's different types of sin in the sense of there's, uh, um, there's like a harmatia where there's a missing the mark. You're trying, to, you're, doing, trying to do it, but you miss, and you don't share in the prize. There's transgressions. That simply means it's going beyond a known limit. You know you're not supposed to go 80 down I-24 to get to church, and a cop pulls you over. It was the first time, officer. First time I got caught. <laughs> you went beyond known limits. There's a, there's a uh, rebellion. 
That's just outright, I don't care. I'm going to feed my flesh and just do what I want. Because it makes me happy. Well, God wants to touch everybody and all of us in this place in some area of, of your life. So if I could have the, the prayer, prayers that are filled with the Spirit, come on up. We're going to pray for people. Nobody filled with the Spirit? Come on, come on up. <laughs> you know you, you want to set people free. We're going to release some things today. And as my brother's going to play some uh, stuff, I'm going to call you forth to come to be prayed for. Maybe everybody doesn't need to come. Some do. The ones that don't come need to pray. But here's how it's going to be. We're not going to beg you. I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to come. Either you know or you don't know. Either God spoke to you today or he didn't speak. Don't hold back on God. I want you to come forth now. One, two, three. You come. for multiple times. It doesn't matter. God's a multiple God. He'll give you a second touch. He'll give you a third touch. He'll give you a fourth touch. Some are called to the ministry. You've been holding back. You need to come and say, I'm going. up here if you got a praying heart that could be why you needed to come be released your prayer language somebody needs a baptism of the Holy Ghost salvation Holy Ghost help yourself
Spirit is far reaching all the way to the last row, all the way in between in the middle. He's still working. There are people here that need to be prayed for that maybe you need to be praying for right now. And even after we leave, there's going to be a flow of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be running into people who will be speaking into your life. Be ready to receive the words of the Lord. He's concerned about you. Some people, yes. Reach up for a blessing. Father, I, 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 I pray a blessing upon the people as they go out. 
wherever they may go, wherever they may turn, whatever situation or circumstance is, your spirit will be there. Call alongside to help them in the name of Jesus. Amen.